0: Today on Pilgrim Radio's His People, Jared Wilson, on how to experience closeness to Jesus, who called himself the friend of sinners.
1: Yeah, that's friendship with Jesus, is you you can experience it. this very As soon as you're done listening to this, you know, open your Bible and, and you're hearing from God. You're hearing from your friend. He's talking to you. Jared Wilson, next.
0: Jared Wilson has a background in pastoral ministry and in teaching on the seminary level. In today's discussion, he'll help us understand what Jesus meant when he called his disciples friends, what it means that he's a friend of sinners, and how we can experience true closeness with him. His new book is titled, Friendship with the Friend of Sinners. Jared teaches at Midwestern Seminary. Jared, tell us about the idea of this
1: book. Uh, the idea for the book has really kind of come about through just my own devotional life it's kind of an expression of things that i've been working through just as a follower of jesus myself over the last you know number of years Um, and then have tried to sort of uh tool around with a little bit in some of my preaching some of my speaking ministry um, this idea of what kind of friend jesus is and what a friend jesus is to sinners but it was a number of years ago a friend a friend of mine um shared with me or or just kind of reminded me of um um, exodus chapter 33 where uh, it says thus the lord spoke to moses face to face as one would a friend and that idea that that text just really i mean it it gave me goosebumps it latched into my heart and into my mind and i'm you know i i believe as a figure of speech no one can see the glory of the lord and live right um, unless it's a christophany of some kind, a, a preincarnate appearance of the Son of God, this face to face, but the intimacy that it depicts, the closeness, uh the just the friendship with God that it depicts, um, that just sort of, I don't know, it, it grabbed hold of me and really captivated me. And in in my own spiritual, um, in my own spiritual disciplines, it began to kind of transform the way I prayed and the way that I read the Bible. Um, really developing you know I grew up Bill as a lot of a lot of guys in my generation did um hearing about this personal relationship with Jesus mm-hmm. that Christianity is is about a personal relationship with Jesus um and and it is and yet I've just always struggled with relating to to Jesus as a real person I've always kind of related to Jesus as as an idea mm-hmm. um, and it was sort of the last several you know probably, Eight, nine, ten years or so that I've begun to explore what it means actually to be a friend of of, of Jesus. And you also open the book with a with a
0: difficult question, uh, and it certainly goes to the whole uh, aspect of friendship, of relationship with with other people, but certainly with Jesus. And that is, have you ever felt so lonely you could die? And if you t- could talk about the relevance of
1: that question to what you're saying here. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm trying to, especially in the beginning of the book, but but really throughout the book, so, sort of set the scene for the problem of friendship that a lot of us face. Um, I I don't think it's um, limited to one particular demographic, but but one um, area that I uh, examine, at least in, in, in one of the chapters, is the epidemic of loneliness among middle-aged men in particular, which is becoming um, a public health crisis. There's even some who have reckoned that it's the deadliest Uh, thing that middle-aged men face, um, you know, leading to depression, anxiety, and suicide, and those sorts of things. And it it, it has adverse health effects. We weren't made to be alone. Um, Even introverts like me, uh, we were designed to be in community. Um, Over in Japan, I mentioned this in the book as well, they've uh, devoted governmental positions to addressing the problem of isolation Mm -hmm. and loneliness. And that's a very populous country. It's not, you know, um, you know, it's a, it's, you know it's 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 densely populated uh so it's not a matter of like uh we're always alone we just feel lonely uh I think COVID has uh, um, exacerbated this as well coming out of COVID there's just a lot of us men women of all ages sort of wondering like how do I really make friends how do I know who my real friends are some of us came out of the pandemic realizing that that you know folks we thought were friends were not friends just the extreme politicization and things as well has has contributed to that so I'm just sort of setting up the the question of like how do you know who your friends are? How do you know what friendship is? And the feeling that we all have which is that we were you know made to be in relationship um and not just on a superficial level. There's the matrix of community in our in our neighborhoods, in our cities, and then even in, in the the microcosm of our churches where we don't know everyone. But there's a benefit. There's a um, there's something that's shaping and formative to just being in that community. But then there's also, um, you know, the bosom friend, the David's and Jonathan's of the world, and 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 of course, what I what I dial down to, especially, is Jesus with His disciples. And John fifteen fifteen kind of opens the the book for me as well because I'm drawing a line from, you know, thus the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as one would a friend to. John 15, 15, where Jesus says, I don't call you servants, I call you friends. And I just want to know, what does it mean to be a friend of Jesus, and how does it answer this loneliness problem, especially when I'm alone and friends are hard to come by? He's the friend who never leaves. You know, he's the friend who's unshockable. That's the kind of friend Jesus is.
0: And you said John 15, 15, where he he calls his disciples friends, and just a couple of verses earlier, I, I believe he makes... The point that um, that there's no greater love. Uh, that's right. As a friend, than, lay your life down. Yes. Yeah,
1: which is what he did. Of course, that's exactly right for us. Yeah, there's no greater friend than Jesus. Um, and sort of teasing that out is what I'm, you know, seeking to do, chapter by chapter in in this book as well. What kind of friend is is Jesus to us? Well, the book is
0: Friendship with a Friend of Sinners, The Remarkable Possibility of Closeness with Christ. My guest is the author, uh, Jared Wilson. He's a professor at a Midwestern Seminary in Kansas City, Missouri. Well, what does it mean? Uh, you, you mentioned that, where so often you hear Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship. And uh, it, it, it sounds like you're saying, well, that's, that's sort of true and sort of not. I mean, and it kind of is a relationship. It kind of is a religion. Can you talk about that? And and uh, maybe for some people, that's become kind of like a cliche almost.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it has, and 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 I would say it's it's actually both. It's fully both. It's uh you know it's a religion in the sense that we there are certainly commandments to follow, and there are disciplines, spiritual disciplines, that um, help us to engage in our friendship, in our personal relationship with with Christ um the new testament is not antithetical to the word religion in fact it's employed in positive ways right pure and undefiled religion james talks about yeah um, you know so i think what what people mean is kind of a religiosity or um, sort of an empty kind of you know ritualistic sort of approach to religion which which I understand. I mean, you know, that's that's longer than the you know than just having a pithy saying. It's a it's a relationship, <laughs> not a religion. Uh, but I think we tend to fall in one of two ditches, almost on either side of that idea, which is um, some of us pursue Christianity as an academic or intellectual exercise. We love to learn more things, mm-hmm. and we need to learn more things. We need to know our Bibles better. We need to know the doctrines of the Christian faith. We are transformed by the renewing of our mind, so that information is the beginning of that. But for uh, you know, a great you know, uh, you know, number of seasons of my life, the, it, it it kind of stopped at the information. It didn't really get into uh, renewal for me. It was just about knowing more, and my you know, my Christianity, my fellowship of Christ was just about becoming uh, more and more educated with Bible knowledge. On the other hand, there are those who kind of, you know, they see the danger in that of just becoming some kind of egghead or just you know becoming a um, you know Bible knowledge person without without heart level uh, effect. and they tend to sort of move away from uh, from doctrine and theology and serious sort of study and and the religion aspect of things, the discipline aspect. And they just sort of feel their way through, um, you know, through their fellowship of Christ, and, and it becomes more about kind of self-centered, uh, almost self-help, a lot of moralism, a lot of inspirational kind of, um, you know, cliches and those sorts of things, kind of just fluffy, what we consider fluffy kind of Christianity. And we can find whole churches that tend to trend one way or the other, kind of dry doctrine or just fluffy, kind of, you know, puffy stuff and what i'm trying to say is um somewhere uh, um, in rejecting the extremes of both of those is the reality that we have a discipline to follow in 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 bible reading and in bible study and in prayer that actually connects us to the very real person of jesus christ but the the error of both of those sort of extremes is very similar, which is they treat, as I said, uh, Jesus as, as an idea. Mm-hmm. Um, they're in a relationship with the idea of Jesus. And I think it's transformative. It, it has been for me to remember that when I'm praying, I'm talking to a real person. And when I'm studying my Bible, I'm hearing from a real person. And when we get into that mode, it, even just you know the the mental shift that's necessary there to see you know the basic stuff of of spiritual disciplines as a kind of divine dialogue, where I hear from God in His Word and He hears from me in prayer, and now we're having an exchange where I'm talking with my friend. That is really, um, well, it, I mean it it revolutionized my own you know devotional life, and and my prayer is that it would revolutionize the uh, devotional life of those who read the book as well
0: so all of those things are drawing near to jesus drawing near to god whether it's prayer scripture uh being in being in church uh being
1: uh, worshiping you're with his body the body of christ that's right and the beauty of this is um i know we use language uh, from time to time like I feel far from God, or mm-hmm. I feel distant from God, or I don't hear His voice. And, and I want to be sympathetic to that language. I understand the feeling, even the feeling of loneliness. It's echoed in the Bible itself. The psalmists yeah. echo that sort of yep. language. But the reality is, if, we're, if we are Christians, we could not be closer to Christ than we, than we are at every given moment. We, are, we um, enjoy union with Christ. We are seated with Him in the heavenly places. We are hidden with Christ in God, Paul says. And so if that's true, then we can enjoy communion with Him, relationship with Him. So this means that, that there's good news that when I when I don't feel close to Christ, it doesn't mean that He is far from me. Um, I, I might be drifting in my lack of discipline or just in my spiritual feelings. I don't feel, a, you know, mm-hmm. a particularly spiritual or particularly close, but I can know Uh, because of what the scripture says, uh, that his spirit uh, has indwelled me, and that I enjoy union with him, um, which is not, uh, um, it doesn't wane, it doesn't, there's no erosion to it, Um, it is an irrevocable reality that I am uh, mystic, you know, spiritually united to Christ. Well, your book goes through various aspects of
0: how Jesus is a friend of us, and I'm wondering if you can talk about, maybe describe, define friendship in Scripture, and uh, in, in, even your, your own definition, but then also how Jesus is uh, that perfect friend in all of
1: these ways. Yeah, well, we see a lot in the Gospels, of course, the way Jesus came near to those who others would not come near to. Uh, the way Jesus ministered to those who were unclean or untouchable, and even to the the langu- the kind of language he used. You know, I think of him calling the woman with the bleeding issue, who religiously and culturally, uh, socially w- was was a you know an outcast, w- was unclean, and Jesus calls her daughter. Which, you know, that relational language, the mm-hmm. familial language, um, you know, to call people sons and daughters as he's speaking to them. Um, and and you know I think um, you know one of the examples I use um, to talk about the nearness of, of Christ um, is actually an example where um, we see an older brother um, who is is not drawing near to his his younger brother in need, and that's of course the famous parable of the prodigal son. When when you when we have the you know prodigal son kind of he's come to the end of himself and he's sitting in that pigsty. Um, I, I think Jesus is meaning for us to to see um, the dereliction of duty, not from the Father, but from the, the older brother, and positioning himself almost as a cliffhanger, positioning himself, Christ himself, as the good older brother who does his job. And if if, the par- if that parable is a parable of our life, um, we're not sitting in that pigsty. Um, and and thinking I'm going to go work for my well you know we're sitting there thinking I'm going to go work for my dad I can I can earn my way back maybe and be an employee I can be a servant and the older brother our, our good older brother Jesus actually finds us he comes looking for us uh, just like in the in the previous two parables to the prodigal son the the person is seeking for the sheep and seeking for the coin mm-hmm. the good older brother comes and gets in that pigsty with us that's the difference between Christ and really everybody, you know, everybody else. Jesus is the older brother who does his job, and everybody else is the other guy. And he'll, he,
0: as he says, he, he'll never leave, us, he'll or never forsake leave us, us or forsake us. yeah. And we're so easy to do that with human beings or even with Jesus himself.
1: And isn't it wonderful, Bill, this is something I, I talk about in the book as well, when, you know, with our human relationships, so say we have a friend that we've really invested in and really poured into, and they just kind of give us the cold shoulder, or they just, you know, get distant from us. Mm -hmm. And then they reach out, say weeks go by, maybe months, maybe a year, and they give us a phone call, or they shoot a text, or say they drop by the house. And we're happy to see them. But isn't there a little bit like, hey, you know, where you been? You know, there's a little bit of irritation maybe mm-hmm. about how much we've done for them. I mean, this is how I, you know, I sometimes feel. I've done so much <laughs> for you and you've kind of, you know, blown me off here. And now you're showing up and you're trying to act like nothing's wrong. Well, Jesus isn't like us. We we are so fickle. We'll go days without prayer, maybe weeks uh, without really investing in, in in the spiritual disciplines. We will neglect our friendship with him. And when we finally drag ourselves into his office or show up on his doorstep, yeah. he doesn't open the door and he doesn't say, oh, my, 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 look what the cat dragged in. You know? <laughs> Who do you think you are? You're going to give me the cold shoulder? No, he opens the door and he's so happy to see us. He's he, We pick up right where we left off. Mm-hmm. There's no begrudging us. There's no passive aggression with Jesus. Um, he, he's not like us in that way, um, you know. He 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 really is the friend who is e- he's more eager to hear from us than we are to speak to him. He's more eager to forgive us uh, um, than we are even to sin, and we are really eager to sin. But his grace is always at the ready, and he always stands available to us to welcome us with favor and and grace. Um, there's just no friend like. Jesus. He he is the greatest friend anyone could have, which is remarkable given that he's the holiest person um, that we can know. He, he, he is the holy God of Israel, and we are such sinners. And knowing that, um, I think, makes the gospel so much more, um, I, I, I mean, it's just awesome. <laughs> it just blows me away that this is the reality, yeah, that he loves me and and welcomes me.
0: Much has been said about this, uh, Jared, and is, it seems like more is being said about this all the time. But is the effect of uh, of the internet, the effect of uh, social media, the effect of the smartphone, in one sense, sort of they one and the, all one and the same? But how, in, in some ways, the smartphone has replaced our uh, replaced people. We've uh, somehow friendship now is mediated through that, and I'm wondering. Um, to what extent has it affected our friendships, but but even maybe our relationship with uh, the Lord?
1: I wonder that, too. I mean, I I think there's a few things there. In terms of just our interpersonal relationships, there's a couple of things it does. There's something I think a lot of us learned through COVID when we had to do so many Zoom meetings. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, before COVID, there were plenty of folks kind of, you know, tinkering around with the idea of like Internet church and different things like that. And I think people may have seen it as a viable option, as a replacement or substitute yeah. for real in-person interaction. And what we discovered when we all had to go on Zoom for however you know for months in, yeah. is it's not the same. It doesn't feel the same, even if we can see each other and hear each other, which is certainly an improvement over just sort of texting or or, or you know a phone call. Even if we can see each other's face, there's it's still not a substitute for being in the room with each other and there there's something I don't want to say psychological because I I do think it's it's spiritual there's something about presence that the Lord has wired into us that that just mediates the relationship differently um so I think there's that I also just think um it's stunted the way we speak um, you know, just the way we use language in, in general, it's, it's certainly changed the way we're expected to write. So those of us who write for a living, uh, we, you know, we we're advised to have shorter chapters and lots of bolded subheadings and, uh, to be pithier with things. And then mm-hmm. certainly, of course, the way you promote books has totally changed. Um, and all of that is sort of trying to accommodate the internet age and how it's changed the way consumers, you know, consume material and, and those sorts of things, but when we look at, um, and you know, I'm not an expert on these things, but when we look at the effect of social media, uh, in particular, on well, just the way our um, our distracted minds work, um, we're seeing a, a lot, especially with adolescents. But I don't think it's limited to adolescents. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see the the spiritual harm that it's doing, the stunted social uh, acumen that it's that it's producing inside of us. And i think the distraction the dopamine rush of the of the the likes and the hits and the traffic and all those sorts of things it's just a mind-numbing sort of enterprise we we have the illusion of connection with other people and we have the illusion of something that's exciting and scintillating and entertaining and really what it's doing is really dulling our spiritual senses which makes it harder for us to perceive i think uh, or, or just to be sensitive to the presence of Christ with us. So um, I'm, I'm grateful for the internet. I'm grateful for the, you know, the benefits, yep. uh, you know, of of it. Sure. But I do think that that believer, I think all people, but, but believers need to be especially cautious about even the way we use it for ministry, that we're not um, inadvertently um, sort of at odds with relational connection, real community presence with each other. And then, of course, um, that we're not diminishing our capacity to see the glory of Christ in the Scriptures, um, and in good preaching of the Scriptures, and, and and those sorts of things.
0: Well, Jared, you refer to this in your book, "Friendship with a Friend of Sinners," the remarkable possibility of closeness with Christ. You make reference to Matthew chapter seven, uh, verses twenty-one through twenty-three. Very sobering. A couple of verses there. C- can you talk about what 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 they say? And sometimes it's not fair to just give you. Uh, References like
1: that. <laughs> well, I just want to um, read it straight, <laughs> uh, and then what <laughs> the, its relevance of my is.
0: Yeah, and I, and then and then what what the relevance is to.
1: Sure, Matthew seven twenty one through twenty three. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name, drive out demons in your name, do many miracles in your name? Then I will announce to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawbreakers. This is Bill to me. Um, this is just my own mileage here. It's the scariest passage <laughs> in all of Scripture. Yeah, oh, it, um, it is for me as someone who is devoted now, um, approaching thirty years in in ministry. Because what Jesus is saying is, you can do a lot of stuff in my name and not and not actually know me. And that is so sobering to me that we have a, at the end of days, you know, Jesus is, um, you know, foretelling. There will be some who say, hey, we did all this stuff for you, Jesus. We cast out demons in your name. We, you know, uh, we, we, we were super religious in your name. And it just cautions me. It, it, it reminds you know, chastens me. It reminds me that doing things for Jesus is not the same as knowing Jesus that being religious or being in ministry or even being a good writer a good preacher a good professor none of that is a substitute for knowing Jesus but it also tells me brother that um if the entrance into the kingdom which Jesus is forbidding these people who are doing all this stuff if the entrance to the kingdom is just knowing Christ being in a relationship with Christ then I don't need to perform for other people um, I don't need my jobs. I mean, I need them to, you know, pay my bills and those sorts of things. But if I if it all went away tomorrow, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. If if I could if I lost my voice and couldn't preach anymore, if if I just you know lost my mind and couldn't write anymore, or whatever, if I have Christ, I have everything. And those with the even the meagerest faith, if they get to the end of the road and they say, I don't know that I did all that much for you, Jesus. I tried. Uh, but i love you and i know you and i know you love me um that person's getting in because he's not claiming any kind of merit badges or or he's he's not he's not reciting his resume um at the end and um i just want to be i want to be um sober-minded enough to know like i'm not getting into heaven on my resume um, but on the resume of jesus and and that's what ultimately matters I've got to
0: let you go here, uh, Jared. But you make an interesting point that the closer we, uh, the more and closer we walk with him, with Jesus, the more we s- realize our own deficiencies or our distance from him. And you think, well, as I'm drawing close to him, it w- wouldn't work
1: like that. But actually, can you talk about that? Why, why, why is why does that happen? Yeah, I think it has something to do, Bill, with you as you get closer, or, or just the the experience of closeness you're getting closer to His holiness and to His glory, and which is going to illuminate more inside of the darkness in our own hearts. So certainly as I follow Jesus over time, there's going to be, you know, these victories that I experience, ground that I gain, um, you know, by His grace, I'm, I'm able to conquer things in my life and be a better repenter. But I, in a way, I see more sin in myself and I see more weakness in myself because the closer i get to him the more that is now illuminated inside of myself um which is why i think honestly i think it's why um the the marks of increasing closeness with with jesus um are not necessarily um you know uh, you know becoming theological giants or academically inclined giants or whatever but it's a it's the fruit of the spirit we become more gentle, and we, we become more peaceful, and, you know, we become more kind. And And why is that? Because the closer you get to Christ, the more humble you become, you, the more humbling it is to be in the proximity of this friend that we have. Uh, so it, 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 it's, it softens us to be uh, so close to that glory, I think. Well, if this sounds
0: a, a, a bit mysterious, perhaps— To to somebody listening to this, how how
1: does this whole friendship with Jesus begin or get started? Yeah, I I mean, it begins as soon as you're able to say to to Jesus, thank you for dying for me, thank you for rising for me, thank you for being my friend. It begins as soon as we open up our Bible. Uh, We may not feel any particular, you know, passion or something happening, you know, um, some kind of— you know, Holy Spirit goosebumps or anything, Mm -hmm. but every time we open that Bible, we are, it is a burning bush moment. We are hearing the voice of God. He is speaking to us from his word. So it begins as soon as we hear his voice through his word. It begins as soon as we respond in prayer, um, just honest, heartfelt prayer, whether it's confession of sin or interceding for someone in our life, um, or or even just asking for ourselves for for healing or for, for grace or something um you know the um, help with evangelizing a friend, you know um, all of those things uh, there's no silver bullet, there's no magic formula. it's the tried old and 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 true techniques uh, of the spiritual disciplines uh, and the primary is is that is that divine dialogue of reading your Bible um and 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 prayer and and using um, those things over time, developing those muscles, those impulses over time. like anything, you develop a habit, uh, by consistently, um, you know, pouring in, trusting that there's an end result that you may not see in the immediate, um, but that's yeah, that's friendship with Jesus. Is you you can experience it this very as soon as you you're done listening to this, um, you know, open your Bible and and you're hearing from God. You're hearing from your friend. He's talking to you. You've been listening to His People
0: on Pilgrim Radio. Many thanks to our guest Jared Wilson, author of the book Friendship with the Friend of Sinners. Jared teaches at Midwestern Seminary. Coming up on tomorrow's program, it's Corey Higdon on why religious liberty is critical for everyone.
1: That's the argument. That's what we're contending for. It's, it's that when, when that's part of our society, it creates conditions conducive to belief. And so let's let's not lose sight of it. Let's protect it. Let's contend for it. Uh, Let's send Christians to law school to continue to be in these organizations, and let's have Christians in the political realm. That's where we, we need people there making this case out of love of neighbor and for the gospel.
0: That's tomorrow at the same time, right here on His People. Thanks for listening.